Welcome to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Over the next hour, we are going to celebrate women across all venues of education and hear stories from trailblazing educators of challenge and success, highlighting that leadership is not always about a title. Now here's your host, Dr. Stephanie Duguid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Duguid. It is such a pleasure to be with, here with you today, so thank you for tuning in. For those of you listening that do not know me or those that are new to the show, I always share a few details about the backstory of the Empowering Women in Educational Leadership show with you. As a lifetime educator myself and with a mother who was a very strong teacher in a Texas high school for over 40 years, I felt it was a natural transition to highlight strong women in educational leadership. So many times women assume that they must have a title to be a leader, which is not true at all. Women inspire, guide, support, and empower each other. Those women are the transformational leaders that focus on elevating one another through mentorship, whether intentional or not. I wanted to highlight the great things and people supporting women in educational leadership. I have been in education for over 30 years in the K-12 and higher education level as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. I am now the owner of Do Good Leadership, where I'm a professional speaker, leadership and success coach and mentor, author, consultant, and radio host. My focus has shifted from working within an institution to a new focus outward where I can serve, elevate, and inspire women to be amazing leaders in education at all levels. This show is the opportunity to bridge the connection between where a woman in education is and where she wants to be after developing leadership skills and confidence to become that empowering, transformational leader. The key is to find a strong mentor to help guide you along the way. My mother was my mentor until she died in a car accident when I was 27, and I've made it my life's purpose to develop, serve, support, and empower women in educational leadership through mentorship. Today is the 13th episode of Empowering Women in Educational Leadership, and I'm honored to have this amazing opportunity to highlight amazing women doing things in education at all levels. Our amazing guest today is Heather McKenzie. She is a dedicated elementary school teacher with over 18 years of experience in the field of education. She has always had a deep passion for teaching and finds immense joy in working with children. Heather's journey in education began when she pursued a bachelor's degree in elementary education at the University of Southern Mississippi, a decision that laid the foundation for her fulfilling career. Her commitment to her students and unwavering faith in God has been the guiding principles of her life. She strongly believes that her faith has played a significant role in opening doors and shaping her path as an, as an educator. Heather's favorite quote reflects her philosophy on life and relationships. She often says, don't burn bridges. You'll be surprised how many times you'll have to cross the same river. This quote underscores her belief in maintaining positive connections and leaving doors open for future opportunities. There is so much more to share, but I'm going to let Heather share her journey. So welcome to the show, Heather. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. So thank you so much for joining me today. I know that we've known each other for several years, but I'd love for you to share with the listeners about your personal journey, about how you got to where you are in education today. Okay, so um, I've always loved working with children. I actually um, thought that I wanted to be a voice major in college. And so my first two years of college, um, you know, I was singing and, and doing the voice thing. and then. It was almost like God said, no, this this is not, I mean, you can still do that, but that's not your plan, you know, my plan for you. And so um, I've just since then just felt like it was a calling because I'm a firm believer that teaching is a calling. And um, so I went to college, got my bachelor's, um, taught for about five years and just felt like I needed to dig deeper in, into literacy because um Working with young children at the time, they were first graders and that in first grade, it's almost like the foundations of reading and, and putting sounds together, making words, making sentences, comp comprehending all those things. And so there was a total breakdown somewhere. And I'm thinking like, I need to dig deeper in this part of things. And so I went back and I got my master's degree in literacy and um, that that was a great decision to do that because I really 
um, was able to dig deeper in lots of different strategies. And I felt like I, um, I learned a lot more and I was able to better service my students. Um, so um, a few years later, I decided to uh, get my national board certification in literacy as well. Um, and literacy is just such a huge thing for me because without literacy, so many doors are closed for other things. The older that you get, everything goes together, even in math. I mean, you'll have to read word problems. You'll have to do all these things. And so that foundation of literacy is just so, so important. And, you know, that's kind of where I am. And um, I used to teach like a whole day with the same kids all the time. And about three years ago, we started swapping classes. And so now I'm just reading for second grade. And so that's where I'm at. So that's where we are now. So I love kind of your your development process. You kind of thought and saw what you needed to develop further, and then you continued really diving in and going deeper. So literacy and being national board certified. So for those that don't know, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a national board certified teacher? Okay, so um, to be national board certified, it was actually a very difficult journey for me because I don't like to um, talk about myself and I don't like to. Um, it's just hard for me to talk about myself, but with when you get your national boards, um, there are different components that you have to write about and you have to write about what you're doing to make all those components happen. Um, and so it was a very good journey for me to um, dig into myself a little bit and and really be able to verbalize what I'm doing in the classroom. And so that's kind of what that is. And it's like a 10 year certification and I'm actually up for recertification next year um, to just, and, and when you recertify, it's almost like I'm still learning. I'm still putting new things into play with my classroom. So um, national board certification is all about, you know, it's a continuing learning experience. Um, because when you're a teacher, you don't just get your degree and you just sit on it. Well, you might, but, but the important thing is, is kids are changing. Kids are different now than they were when I started teaching 18 years ago. So you've got to meet kids where they are if you want them to grow. And national boards is very much an internal look on what you're doing to better yourself and to better your students. So well, and, and I love how you shared that, you know, so many times people assume you get your degree and you're done. You know, you, you, right. you learn what you need to learn and then you go to work. Well, in education, as you mentioned, there's all these ebbs and flows. There's so much changing all the time. You know, the students you have today are going to be different tomorrow and they oh, were different absolutely. yesterday. So I love that you are sharing that you have got to continually learn. So although you get this amazing certification and it is difficult and you do have to talk about yourself and not everybody has national, national board certification. So I just want to make that clear. You know, that is something that is very few and far between between a lot of teachers. And so I commend you for that. Thank you for taking the time to go ahead and work through that. And I also love that you're working specifically in your area because a lot of times in education, you may become certified in, let's say, K-6, and your specialty might be math, but they need you in a different classroom. Right. They need you in a science classroom, or they need you in a history classroom. So I am so honored that you are National Board Certified Literacy, and you're in a reading classroom. So you are getting these students at the foundational level to help them with these life skills. I mean, I, I assume... Everybody feels that literacy is life skills, but I don't know if parents really understand how important that is. Right. So share with me your thought on literacy in general. I mean, you talked about how it is the foundation. So kind of explain that a little bit more. You know, can you break that down a little bit for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. So and, and you talking about parents not realizing, and that's true. Um, if I If I was not a teacher... I don't know that I would know how to help my child as as far as like what can I do at home to help them even more because literacy starts with with sounds phonemic awareness what what is this and not necessarily what sound goes with what letter you know you just have to build off of tiny little bitty pieces that end up 
being a paragraph to be read. You know, um, a lot of times, especially if you have a child who is older, okay, and they're they're struggling with reading comprehension, they're having to read paragraphs. Well, a lot of times they're having problems with that because they're having problems with fluency and they're having problems with fluency because they're having problems with, hey, what what are these what are these letters? What are they doing? You know, the foundational part of reading that is established in kindergarten, first, second grade, somehow got flipped, skipped over, slipped through the cracks. And then third, fourth, fifth grade, they're having to, okay, well, the standards now are no longer phonemic awareness symphonics. Now the standards are more geared towards um, language, comprehension, and those things. And, and, and those kids that didn't get that, that's why you see so many older kids with literacy issues because somehow the foundation got missed um, big time. And like when COVID happened and and a lot of the kids had to go home. Well, I mean, parents don't, especially if you had a first grade or kindergartner, even possibly second grade, you've got these parents who are doing the best they can, but they they don't know how to teach their child to read. They don't, Mm -hmm. they don't know the science of reading. They don't know, what do I do first to build these skills on these skills? And now, hey, my kid can read a sentence. And hey, now my right. kid can read a paragraph and understand what they read. So if you don't get that foundation, sounds, letters, phonemic awareness, phonics, graphing, phonemes, if you don't have those things, then you can't build to be able to be a fluent reader of paragraphs and comprehension. Well, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not dissing on parents at all. You know, you and I are both oh, parents no, no. to kids. No, but it is it is so important that learning doesn't just happen when they're at school. Right. right. And that's at all levels is that learning happens all the time. So when they're home, when they're interacting, you know, even if they have books or magazines, it doesn't have to be a school book. You know, even right. if they have, uh, you know, my kids, my my husband and my oldest son, they love working on cars. So even if it's a book about cars or if they're involved in, you know, my younger son right. loves baseball. So it's just having them involved in reading at some level or interacting in language right. at some level. So, you know, it it is just essential. And COVID did make a big challenge for education, you know, we have that that COVID gap is what you call right. it. You know, when I was at the college, we definitely saw it at the college level. And I can only imagine how challenging it was at the elementary level. So in your classroom, you know, I feel that, you know, you are a strong leader with your students in the classroom. You know, you've always had these amazing classes. And those that are listening, um, I know Heather from from a few years ago because my both of my boys have been in her classes. And I do have a, a young son that has some challenges along the way, and he just flourished in her classroom. So, so share with us kind of the unique teaching that that you do. And I'm kind of leading you into this. So, what is the unique teaching that you do in your classroom? You know, because you have yoga balls in there, you have different, you know, like rugs and tables. And so, share with us kind of what goes on in your classroom. Okay, so my. Um... Method of teaching is mostly whole brain instruction um, as far as the teaching aspect goes. Um, I notice, and, and for me, I don't like to just sit there and listen to somebody talk all day. It, I need an interaction, okay? So my, my ability to pay attention to someone isn't super great. So I need some changes. And so um, I was researching some things. This was probably, I think I was in my maybe eighth, eighth year teaching um, I saw this thing that was going on in Louisiana, and I told my sister-in-law and my niece, who's also a teacher, I said, um, look, this guy has some great ideas, and he's doing a free conference. And so whole brain is all about teaching in small chunks, um, because um, the average attention span of a child is their age plus or minus two, okay? So if I'm teaching seven-year-olds, then their attention span is, you know, five minutes to nine minutes, which is not very long. And so whole brain is all about using the different parts of your brain to help um, kids understand things and to meet kids where they are, because you're going to have auditory learners, you're going to have tactile kinesthetic learners who need to have movement, Um, you're going to have visual learners. And so whole brain takes all of those things and kind of wraps them up in a nice package and delivers. And so 
um, with whole brain, it's a very small chunk of me teaching information. It's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of me giving gestures for certain things that I say. Um, and then after I teach it in those small chunks, then the kids teach it to each other. So if we're talking about a vocabulary word, I'm going to give the vocabulary word. Um, I'm going to give it a gesture. Then we're going to give it a sentence with it in context. And then the kids do it to each other. And when I started doing that in the classroom, I saw huge gains um, because, I mean, it's important. No, oh, you're good. So we are going to continue talking about whole brain learning and hearing about the experiences her students have and how they flourish in her classroom after our break. So we will be back in two minutes. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Meet Dr. Stephanie Duguid, the renowned motivational speaker, leadership and success coach, author, and radio show host with an impressive 30 years of experience in education, spanning K-12 and higher education as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. With her dynamic presence and inspiring messages, Dr. Stephanie captivates audiences from classrooms to conference halls. Learn how to focus on developing positive leadership skills and confidence to become the transformative and inspirational leader you always wanted to be from any position you hold. Reach out to Dr. Stephanie today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is Career Combat? It's a show that airs at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on Fridays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel that acts as your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Hear from the best and brightest in the biz as your host, Kelly Combat, gives you the answers you need. Career Combat, Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Have a question for Dr. Stephanie or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We are speaking with Heather McKenzie, a National Board Certified Teacher in Literacy, talking about teaching, learning, love, and faith. And we were just going through her whole brain teaching methods. And you were talking about how you share things in small chunks. You share things with students. You have them repeat it back to you. There's a lot of repetition. And then they get together and share some items together. So go ahead and continue sharing your your feedback on whole brain teaching. Okay, so here's the scenario. There's a new vocabulary word, okay? So I talk to them about what the word is. I go ahead and create a gesture. So um, if the word is perch, um, we talk about what perch means. I come up with a gesture for perch. I might um, put one, one hand out straight and then act like I've got a little person sitting on the other hand with my fingers. Okay, so um, just something that'll help them remember. And then after that, we talk about what the word means. And and when I talk about what the word means, I always tell them mirror words. And so when I say mirror words, they look at me, they completely um, mirror what I'm doing and saying. So when we talk about what the word means, I want them to repeat that after me. And they do it. And then I tell them to um, teach their neighbor. And so then they talk with one another about what the word means. Then I bring them back to me 
We talk about the word again, and then we use it in context. And when we use it in context, we come up with a sentence with the word in it, um, and then they turn and they talk to their neighbor. And so that really helps them to remember um, what those words mean and what, what they are, how to use them in a sentence, because a lot of kids can memorize a vocabulary word and match the meanings. But to actually completely immerse themselves in it so that they get a super deep understanding. They're using all the different parts of their brain. Okay, so we've got we've got visual, uh, we've got tactile kinesthetic, we've got auditory. Okay, so all the different parts of the brain are being hit with that one skill. And you can really take that across the curriculum because I've done it in every subject now with math. It was great because you could think of these gestures, you could talk through math problems, and it makes kids have to speak to one another because that is a huge, a huge thing. And I tell my, I tell people all the time, like, yes, I want my kids to be academically successful, but even more than that, I want them to be able to be a good citizen, someone who knows how to speak to one another, someone who knows how to problem solve. Um, Cause sometimes kids just, they, they just don't know how to talk to one another. And then they get frustrated when they're in, they have to be in groups because they haven't been having conversations with each other all year. And so doing this every single day makes them have to talk with one another. And so, well, and, and, yeah. I, and I love that you bring all of that together, starting to talk to one another in second grade. You know, when I was at the college, I would have students send me emails and I was the dean and they would send me emails and it was in text format, you know, texting right. like a U for Y-O-U, you know, it was a letter U. And then when they had to come and talk to me in person, they couldn't speak. They didn't know yeah. how to speak or they would have mom call me. This, and again, everybody, I'm talking about college students. They would have mom or dad call me. <laughs> yeah. And so socialization is huge. You know, my kids, I think, well, my youngest one can talk to a wall. I mean, he he can just talk to anybody. My older one is a little bit more reserved, but my younger one, he can talk to anybody. And I think that started at a very young age. And, and you know, even with his challenges, he came out of his shell. And I think it was in his, you know, first, second grade when he was with you that he really started learning how to speak to everyone. And now he, you just can't get him to stop talking. <laughs> right. And, and, and another great thing about whole brain is we start the year off with rules. We have five rules that we talk about every day. We don't go over them every day, probably after September, but we go over them every single day. And then we do every one of them have, they all have gestures. And then we take turns letting people lead the class and rules. I'm sure I sent you videos of Dalton or Brendan um, doing the rules. I'm sure I did um, mm -hmm. when they were little. But you would be surprised that even, even in your like quietest child, they'll end up volunteering to do it at some point. It's mm -hmm. almost guaranteed just because you've got that sense of family in that classroom because you know we're listening to each other speak we're cheering them on and then hey this kid who never talks they got their hand they've got their hand up they want to do the rules and so I just feel like whole brain helps academically and socially emotionally I just really feel like it brings kids together as a family because they are having to speak to each other a lot they are having to cheer each other on and and do things um you know like that. So. Well, when you talk about family, you're talking about really almost a leadership guiding right. area because with leadership, you have to have those listening skills. You have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to problem solve. You have to be social. You have to understand your emotions and work with each other as a family. So you are the leader in this classroom and you're teaching all of these students at a very young age, some amazing leadership skills. So in your journey, I mean, have you ever, do you consider yourself a leader? I mean, you know, I used to not, but, mm -hmm. but I do love to, um, I love to have student teachers. I love to have that because I feel like whole brain is one of those things that people might've heard about, but I wouldn't have heard about it if I wasn't researching about it. Because right. my thing was, is I want to figure out a way to, bring my kids in more because I don't want to listen to 
I self talk all day long and I know they don't want to listen to me. So I was digging around and found it. And so right. I feel like um, being able to share that with, with upcoming teachers and possibly having them sprinkle a little bit of that in their own classrooms is, is fantastic. So, so I guess in that way, maybe um, I could be considered as a leader in my, in my position because I do love to have student teachers and I, I'm all about having them and sharing those things with them. So, yeah. Well, whether or not you feel you're a leader, I 100% believe that you're a leader. So, you know, being in a classroom and changing the lives of kids as they are developing at such a crucial time in their lives, 100%, I feel that you're a leader. And in addition, you were talking about always wanting to know more, always researching, you know, the fact that you are welcoming student teachers. And so you're touching generations of students because you have these student teachers come into your classroom. And I've been on the college side of getting feedback for students that have gone into C classrooms and whatnot. And they're always so complimentary of you and the way that you teach and and how those students just love being in your classroom. You know, so many times today, students don't want to go to school. Either they feel bored or they don't feel like they belong or they don't feel like their teachers love them. And so, you know, when my kids had you for a teacher, they loved going to school every day. And so I think that that's a testament to you in your classroom and always wanting to connect, building those relationships. That is such an important skill for these students is to build those relationships. But we were talking about how students are changing and growing. And so that's part of the reason you always need to grow and evolve yourself. So tell me about some of um, your ideas in your classroom with your learners. You know, there are some that have to have, you know, the rigid structure of the desks and sit in a certain way and you can only talk at these certain times. And, you know, I've been right. in here and you've got yoga balls and carpets. And, <laughs> and so, so kids, there are so many different types of children. So I um, have a flexible classroom, which means um, that there are different options for seating. We've got um, stability ball chairs. We've got cushions. We've got uh, tables close to the ground. We've got regular regular seats we've got wobble stools we have different things to meet kids where they're at they always have the option there's that used to um before covid um, they would come in and they would just sit wherever they wanted to for the day okay they could but i also had kids in my classroom from the time they got there to when they went home now we swap classes so it's almost like they kind of have to have a home to keep all their stuff in because they're doing all this swapping so they still get to pick their seat. They just don't pick their desk unless they want to sit at a like whenever we're doing work, um, they can flex out. I have these seats on the floor and different places like that, but they can pick whatever kind of chair they want to for instructional time. And um, you'd be surprised. Some kids, they need a regular chair. They need to sit in the same exact place every day. And that's OK. Whatever is better for them. You know, if, if you want to stand up while you're cutting something out, it's funny how many kids feel like they need to stand up when they're cutting something out. You know, I mean, if you can cut it out standing up and, and you can cut it straight, get, you know, get after it. I mean, it's not, you know, <laughs> my thing is, is if, if you're not being a distraction to somebody else, because let me tell you something, if you've got a kid who has a problem focusing and you make them be still, they're going to distract somebody else by tapping their pencil 482 times. So mm-hmm. they really need to have that outlet. They need to be able to wiggle around if they need to, you know. So I like to have those options there for kids, but I also have the option of, you know what, you need a four leg chair, get after it, whatever you need to do. So, well, and of course, when you and I were in school, um, and I'm a bit older than you are, but it, it was, you sit in your desk and this is what you do and you're quiet the whole time right. until I ask you a question or until it's recess time. And kids have evolved, our society has evolved that now with technology alone, um, you and I mentioned during the break, TV, video oh, games, absolutely. also cell phones, these apps, all these immediate gratification type pieces all of that affects how our students learn, how our kids learn. And so I love that you are always trying to grow and evolve along with the students. And that that pretty much explains why some students have challenges in classrooms where things are done, what we would consider the traditional way, 
and some that have success in a, you know, new opportunity way. Now, some kids might not like all the movement and all the opportunities and all, you know, it just, it just kind of depends on on what the students like. But one thing you said earlier is that the attention span tends to be their age plus or minus two. Correct. So I, I love that you quantified that. I've never heard that. And that is 100% true because we talk about at the college level, it's about 15 to 20 minutes, which if those kids are mostly 17, 18, right. that's their yeah. attention span. So I love that you quantified that. So where did, was that in your teaching for your, for your literacy training? I think, I'm trying to remember where I read that. I want to say that in part of the whole brain literature that I've, I've read and and studied that that's where I saw that. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, well, that makes sense because, you know, whole brains thing is small chunks of teaching. And this mm-hmm. is why you need to teach that way. Um, mm-hmm. And this is why that um, the kids, you know, everything's in small chunks. So right. um, when I'm teaching vocabulary, if, if I were, if I were to teach, you know, all five words, meanings, and uh, sentences in context in like a 15 minute lesson and then probed the kids on it to see what they remember, it's going to be far less than if we do it whole brain. And then at the end, uh, I probe them to see what they know. It's going to be substantially higher yes. with the whole brain instruction. Yeah, that that's I mean, just incredible. I mean. and, and I love that, you know, where you are, you're, you're local when you're in Mississippi, I'm in Mississippi. And you have administration that supports your your teaching. Right. And so that is another big part that some instructors, they don't have the flexibility to right. do things the way that they need to in their classrooms. And I'm not talking about, I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, academic freedom thing. That's a whole other conversation, yeah. but just being able to, you know, reach the students, meet their needs. You have the administration that really listens to you and understands the student that came from the classroom themselves. Right. You know, I think that was one of the positive things that I had as an administrator at the college is I was a teacher first. And so I understood that process and what the teachers have to go through as I was making my administrative decisions. So I think that that's a huge part. So how does, you know, building the relationships with those that you work with, or how does that support network Um, really help you in working with these students or in your day-to-day life? Um, Okay, so I think that having a strong relationship with your coworkers is super, super, super important because we're all on the same team and we all want the same end goal. Whether you're a kindergarten teacher, whether you're a fifth grade teacher, whether you're a tested area it, it really doesn't matter because we're all on the same team. We all want these kids to be successful, graduate, make it out on their own. And so just just having that really nice, good relationship with all of your colleagues is super important. And being able to communicate, that's super important. I talk to our third grade teacher all the time. I talk to her almost as much as I talk to um, my other two people on my actual team, the math teacher and the um the spelling and grammar teacher, I talk to them a lot too, but, but I talk with that third grade reading teacher all the time because I'm thinking, okay, here's what they need to do in second grade. I need to know what you expect when they walk into your classroom. What, what can I make sure that they can do so that you don't have to reteach anything? What, what's, what are they struggling with? And a lot of times teachers very much when they hear, when they hear the grade up saying, well, this kid can't read or this kid can't, no, I want to know, okay, what is the problem so that, that I can make sure I don't send somebody on that is struggling in this area. So like mm-hmm. I talk to her a lot because you can't get your feelings hurt when you when you when you do that, when you hear that from uh, the grade up. That's an opportunity to say, okay, well, somehow we dropped the ball here. So what what happened? What you know, and there's always some some knowledge loss from from June to August. Okay, sometimes the kids just need need to get kicked back up. But sometimes there's a deficit, and I want to know if there's a deficit. Is this a deficit, or is this this kid still on summer break? You know, mm-hmm. and so it's just so important to have that community and to not 
to see everything as a growth opportunity and not so much see it as, oh, she's talking bad about the way I teach or she's, Mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, it's just so important to, to take that and be like, okay, well, what can I do better to help you do your job? Well, and I love, love that, that you are actively trying to bridge the gap. You know, you're actively seeking out opportunities to speak with others. And as you mentioned, it's an opportunity to have a conversation. It is not trying to blame one another, but always looking for that opportunity of how you can serve the students. And so we're going to get a break here in about a minute. But as we are thinking about our next segment, talking about strategies and techniques for effective communication and building those strong relationships. You know, is there anything specific that you do? You know, you mentioned that you talk to them all the time. So is it consistent communication? Is it, um, you know, do you have a a meetup time once a week saying, hey, we're going to review these things and go ahead and think about how you're going to respond. And we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll be back with Heather McKenzie talking about communication in the classroom. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Meet Dr. Stephanie Duguid, the renowned motivational speaker, leadership and success coach, author, and radio show host with an impressive 30 years of experience in education, spanning K-12 and higher education as a teacher, athletic trainer, and administrator. With her dynamic presence and inspiring messages, Dr. Stephanie captivates audiences from classrooms to conference halls. Learn how to focus on developing positive leadership skills and confidence to become the transformative and inspirational leader you always wanted to be from any position you hold. Reach out to Dr. Stephanie today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. Have a question for Dr. Stephanie or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. And we are speaking with Heather McKenzie, National Board Certified Teacher in Literacy, who currently teaches second grade. We are talking about teaching, learning, love, and faith. We were just sharing how it is so important to communicate with those that you work with on a regular basis. And so I was asking, what is your technique for effective communication or building strong relationships with team members? Is there anything in particular that you do? Or you mentioned that it's always a positive aspect or just looking for an opportunity. So what would you like to share? Right. Well, with with my team, like we we have the same planning time every day. So it's very easy. My principal is so awesome. Just, you know, making sure we have that time to um, collaborate. Um, We, you know, also, we have a text group back and forth when we talk about certain little things. But as far as other um, other grades, we do have TLC. So we have professional learning communities where where we get together. Um, and then sometimes, you know, like I said, I, I talk to the third grade teacher a lot, the reading teacher. And it's, you know, after school or just something like that. But, you know, no certain thing. But but our principal does a fantastic, phenomenal job making sure that we do have 
that planning time at the same time with our second grade team so that we can put our heads together on different things and whatnot. So, well, and one of the the things that I think that COVID has brought to fruition is the need to communicate with you. Oh, team. yeah. Because prior to COVID, I know when I was in K-12, we just had different planning times and it was just kind of like, oh, by the way, you need to do this professional development or, oh, by the way, make sure you get with your team. But I know that with COVID, you had to really heighten the way that you communicated with one another. And so uh-huh. at that time, I I remember that the school schedule shifted so that there was a common time for teachers each week mm-hmm. yes. to communicate and to plan. And so I think that that has blood over knowing that that is just a huge bonus. Oh yeah, big time. And how successful it's been. Do you feel the same way? I for sure do. I um I really do feel like that um that having that time every Friday there's an early dismissal so we can we either will have something that the principal has planned um or we just can kind of get together and chat. Another thing that we have started um this past year or so we have coaches who have started coming into the schools and showing us new ways to you know I'm the reading teacher my coworkers the writing teacher how to bridge bridge that because reading and writing go right hand in hand and when they start testing in third grade they're going to have to write to respond to a text and so mm-hmm. She has really done a good job teaching us how to, um, here's here's the text for the week, and here's how you can write to respond to that. So that's another thing that they've implemented in the past, I don't know, two or three years, having those coaches come in and really showing us how to use our curriculum to 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 its very best. So. Well, well, and a lot of times teachers feel like they're in silos. You know, your classroom door closes. This uh-huh. is this is your kingdom. This is all you right. do. But the more that you can bridge the content, the more that you can have one idea or one topic that is touched on in all the different classes, math and science and history and English and, you know, all those different things, the better because then the student can really, you know, take a deep dive into it and understand how it relates to all the different areas. So I love that you all have these coaches come in. And so tell me, you know, we've been talking about your leadership for a while. And so how would you define effective leadership? You know, whether it's yourself or if you think about your principal or others that you've been around at at your church, because I know you're very involved in your church. You know, I think that leadership starts with, I don't know, I feel like my principal does a great job at making leaders from the teachers like she she makes us have opportunities to show leadership and Mm -hmm. I feel like that that is so important yes yes I am the leader of my classroom but I want to teach my children how to be leaders so that when they're doing group work hey so and so you're team leader today Okay, Mm -hmm. and you've got you've got to know that a team leader is respectful, but a team leader also has to lead. And so just showing that is so important. And she does a fantastic job of modeling that and and holding those expectations for us as well. And so I feel like that kind of bleeds off into the classroom as the teacher. You are the leader, but you're also molding these kids to be leaders, whether it's in the classroom or, or later in life, they need that. They need to be able to treat others with kindness and respect. They need to treat others like, hey, you can do this. I'm the team leader today, but you can do this and just, just model that behavior. It's, it's just so important to do that. Well, and it is really elevating those that are around you, whether it is the students or whether it is a colleague or the principal or, or what have you. Right. You know, I've I've had some others that have been on the show. One of them said, lead from behind. And so it's not that she had to be in in the front of everything and she doesn't have to be the headline. She doesn't have to be the speaker, but she is there to support the others and to elevate them. And if they need something, she's there to help. But it's really elevating others. And the other thing that she said that I just love, 
She said that the best piece of advice that she ever received, and and this is Dr. Um, Deborah West. She's the chancellor of Arkansas State University, Mid-South. She said the best advice that she ever received from somebody is, remember, you have your own shoes. So don't try to step in somebody else's shoes along the way. You know, you can use ideas and concepts and feedback from others, but you have your own shoes, so wear them proudly. Right. <laughs> that's that's great. Absolutely. I just, you know, that's that's a really good stuff. I like that. <laughs> so I, I love that about her. Those were some of the great things that we heard. So as you're you're going through and you're thinking about leadership skills, what do you feel are some of the best or most important leadership skills that somebody could have? Okay, so I'm going to use my principal again as an example because mm-hmm. she is so fantastic at this. She was a teacher and, you know, a lot of teacher friends that I have when, when they are speaking about maybe their principal, it's always like, they just can't remember what it's like to be in the classroom. They just, they just don't know what it's like to be in the classroom. They can't remember they've been out of it so long or they went straight to this position. And, and now that they, they almost like it's a wall, like they don't, they don't see that they used to be in the classroom, but my principal is so great at remembering where she came from, remembering what it's like to be a teacher, having that empathy, because you know, you know, just being able to feel someone else, know where they're coming from. That's so important to me. That is one of the most important parts of being a good leader is, hey, I see where you're coming from. You know, this is this is what's going on. And so, you know, that that to me is is very important just to to be able to see the whole picture to me. And she's so she's so good at that. And I try to do that, you know, I try to do that in my classroom too. Like I'm, I'm the leader and I've got this kid that, you know, we've got stuff going on and, you know, yes, I have what I need. You need to do this because I'm leading you. You need to do this, but let's talk about like what, what's going on. You know, what kind of morning Mm -hmm. did you have? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I know your mom was supposed to show up this weekend and she didn't show. So you're not paying attention. Or you're upset. So let, let's see if we can figure out what's going on. And then, you know, just being able to have empathy, sympathy, and just being able to meet your kids where you are and mm-hmm. being able to meet your employee where they are, um, mm-hmm. I think is, is very, very important to me as far well, as what I've seen. And part of that is just getting to know the individuals. Right. You know, uh, those that have been in academia at some point in their lives, they've heard about Maslow's hierarchy of skills is, you know, the foundation is making sure that somebody knows that they're loved, they're safe, they're secure. Right. And if if they don't have that, then forget about the rest. Yeah. So absolutely. If, if they don't think that you care or they don't feel like they're important, then they're not going to learn anything. And so right. you've just you just share that is, you know, getting to know them where they are, making sure that they're OK understanding what they're going through, validating their feelings and, and moving on. So right. love because that. before you can teach a child, you have got to know them mm-hmm. and, and, and you, you've just got to, you, you can't just teach everybody. Everybody's the same. No, like I know that we're shutting down over here because, mm-hmm. you know, all these personal things going on. I tell my coworkers all the time, I'm like, we don't have any problems. Like these kids are expected to come to school and to, you know, move on like nobody, you know, everything, everything's fine, but we've got all this stuff going on and we're seven, we're seven mm-hmm. and we're expected to have all these things. And so I just think it's that right. so important to do that. Well, and kids are very resilient and they have a lot more to deal with than I think a lot of us had years oh, yeah. and years and years ago. So there, there's so much more that we could talk about with that, but you know, we were talking about you being a mentor and we've got about a minute to talk about this. You are a mentor to some of those student teachers. So how exciting is it to have somebody that wants to go in your profession come into your classroom? Oh, it's just so exciting. And, and I feel like I, my student teaching experience, my teacher kind of, I always felt like she didn't want me there. And so that kind of gave me ammunition of when I get a student teacher, I want to make sure that she knows I want her there. And because my experience wasn't great, I want their experience to be great. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm all about having one. I'm excited because I'm getting one in January. But um, just being able to 
to teach them what you know, but not say, hey, this is the way you've got to do things. You know, here's there's what, more than one way to skin a cat. So like there's so many different things that you mm-hmm. can do to get to the same goal. So I just think that's important to be able to share what I know, but not say you have to do this. Well, you're adding to their toolkit. You know, we always talk right, about having right. things in their toolkit. So we are just about out of time, but I would love for you to share either a word of wisdom or, you know, some words of encouragement that you'd like to share with everyone. So I heard this quote and I always, when I have student teachers, try to give them um, something that has this on there. But um, there's a quote that says, um, teachers who love teaching teach students to love learning. And I just feel like that's so true. Um, because when you're passionate about what you do, that's going to flow through to the people that you're around and they're going to pick up on that and they might have that same energy. At least that's what I hope for in my classroom. So, Oh, I love that. So say that again. Teachers who love teaching. Teach children to love learning. Teach love learning. Got it. So love that. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for being a part of this journey with me. I am so glad that you were one of my guests on the show. So I would love for you. You are welcome. So we are out of time, but I would love for those listening to join my Facebook community for women in education and to reach out if you would like a free consultation. All my information is on the voiceamerica.com webpage. Let's look Stephanie Dugan or Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. I would love to leave you with my favorite quote. A good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. We are shifting to a podcast that will be once a month, also called Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. I hope that you will join us for those on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Network. So thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to reach out, again, you can reach me at www.drstephaniedugid.com. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Empowering Women in Educational Leadership. We hope you'll join us next week for another inspiring episode 